We open the Holy Scriptures to Proverbs chapter 23. We will read a short portion of this chapter, beginning at verse 13, reading through verse 26. And verse 23 will be the text. This is the word of God, Proverbs 23, beginning at verse 13. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and shalt deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thine heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reins shall rejoice when thy lips speak right things. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. Be not among the wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bare thee shall rejoice. My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Here we end our reading of the scriptures. Verse 23, we will focus on. Buy the truth, and sell it not. Also wisdom, and instruction, and understanding. Beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ, the text speaks of something that is so commonplace, we're all familiar with it, it's part of everyday life, buying and selling. We do a lot of it because we have to do a lot of it as we live in the midst of this world. We go to work, we earn our income, which the Lord provides us from his fatherly hand, and that income is put to use particularly in acquiring those earthly necessities that we need to live here in this world. We frequent the grocery store, many other places we buy and we sell. That's something we are familiar with. Now, this proverb, Proverbs 23, verse 23, takes that familiar part of everyday life and uses it as a figure to teach us a supremely important spiritual lesson that is universally applicable to us all and is also particularly applicable to covenant parents and to the parents who presented their daughter for baptism this morning. Our text instructs us about a spiritual transaction of supreme importance. In our everyday lives, there are certain Purchases 
that we would deem most important, the purchase of a first house perhaps, or the purchase of a car to get us from here to there, to work, to school, and the like. Here is the transaction of supreme importance. Buy the truth and sell it not. Using this figure from everyday experience, we have the wisdom of Jesus Christ himself conveyed to us, explaining to us that which ought to be the chief commitment of our hearts as individual believers, as God's people, as families, as parents. Buying the truth and selling it not. You'll notice that the context surrounding this text is Solomon under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speaking to his child and bringing parental instruction to his child. Verse 19, hear thou my son, he says. Verse 22, hearken to thy father, despise not thy mother. And now verse 23, as it were, is the heart of Solomon's instruction to his child in this Part of the book of Proverbs where he says, and you can hear the earnestness in his voice because this is of chief importance to Solomon as a father. Buy the truth, my son. Sell it not. Buy the truth, my daughter. Sell it not. This is of the most importance. There are many things we labor to acquire in this life. There are many things we want for our children, parents. That we will even go to great lengths to get for them. Expend great cost to get something good for them. To put them on the right earthly path for a successful future. And that's good. That's part of our responsibility as parents. But this is above all most important. That we impart to them the treasure that is of supreme value. God's truth. There are many lessons we want to teach our children. And that's part of our responsibility as parents to prepare them for life in this world. To prepare them for what they will face in this world. This above all. My daughter, buy the truth. Sell it not. That's lesson number one. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's consider this proverb briefly together under the theme, Exhorted to Buy the Truth. We'll look first at buying it. Secondly, at selling it not. And finally, how we are comforted by the very truth we are called to buy. Proverbs 23 verse 23 speaks of the truth. And it does us well to take note on the onset, the important affirmation of this proverb, by the truth. That means there is such a thing as truth. There is such a thing as truth objectively, which is as real as any other object out there on the marketplace today. Indeed, the truth, which is the most real thing there is. Truth is what is real. Truth is what is firm and unchanging. There is truth, the proverb says, when it commands, buy it, buy the truth. The proverb, therefore, is countercultural, is it not? It overturns the notion that has swept away our society that truth 
is merely the construct of the human mind. That truth is something constructed by people at a certain time and place that reflects the particular values of a certain culture, but has no objective reality. It is ultimately a matter of taste, and therefore is as changing and unreliable as clay. Something to be shaped and molded to suit your desires. No, the wisdom of Jesus Christ in the text is that there is truth outside of us. Truth that is not created by us. Truth that is not in any way dependent upon us or what we think or what we feel. But that there is truth that does not change. It is firm. And we need that, do we not, in this world, which is so often like a stormy sea. We need solid ground, a rock upon which to build our lives, to build our homes, to raise our children. And the proverb makes that wonderful, comforting affirmation by the truth. There is truth. And there is truth because there is the one true God. The one true God who is there and has eternally been there and forever shall be there unchangingly so. The one true God revealed in the scriptures who is entirely independent of us. Who is there whether we acknowledge him or not. Regardless of what we think of him. The God who created the world and all that's in the world. God is real. God is firm. God is unchanging. God has created. God determines reality. And therefore, there is truth. Truth. Truth's stability and firmness is grounded upon the stability and firmness of the being of the one true God. God understanding our creatureliness helps us understand this abstract concept by being very concrete. For example, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, where we read of God, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. A God of truth, without iniquity, just and right is He. That's our God. He is the rock. And now you think of the bedrock of this earth, the solid ground upon which you stand, that is the foundation. That's our God. Firmer than the strongest and most stable rock is the rock, Jehovah our God. Remember his name revealed from the burning bush? I am that I am. No one else can say that. Everything else and everyone else was, is temporarily, and shall be subject to change. But God is the rock, the I am. All that is, is because there is the I am. There is truth. There is a foundation. There is a rock upon which we may rest and build our lives and build our homes. But now to narrow our focus, what is this truth upon which the text would have us pay attention? And while this proverb has something to say about all truth, for all truth is God's truth, nonetheless, the main focus of the proverb is on the truth, the most important truth, God's revealed truth. 
which to know is life eternal. Thus, when the text says, by the truth, it is speaking about God's revelation of the truth, namely, the Holy Scriptures. God's word of truth, spoken from the mouth that cannot lie. God's word of truth, inspired by the Spirit of truth, and written by holy men of old, as they were moved by that Spirit of truth, the word about which Jesus says in John 17, verse 7, Thy word is truth. God's word is as true as he is. God's word is breathed out of his own divine being and carried to us by the spirit of truth. It is true from the beginning to the end in every one of its details. And God's word reveals then, it makes known, life-giving and life-guiding truth. Here is what we need for faith in life. Here is what we need in every circumstance that we face in the midst of this stormy and dark world. It is here in the instruction of the scriptures, the wisdom of God revealed in Jesus Christ. This truth is life-giving and life-guiding and life-establishing. It is the foundation, the rock. For us, for our lives, for our homes, for our children. God's word reveals God, who he is, what he's done for us. Reveals all of those truths which form the ground of our view of the the world, our view of ourselves, our own identity, our purpose. God's word tells us of his creation. God's word tells us of the fall into sin. God's word tells us what is right and what is wrong. God's word tells us of his wonderful plan of redemption accomplished through his son Jesus Christ. His word tells us about where we are going and how all things must tend to our good because the sovereign God reigns and he is gathering his people and he is bringing them to the inheritance he has prepared So that all things must be subservient to our salvation. God's word tells us, makes known all these things. It is the truth. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. But now to narrow our focus down, as narrow as we can go, the core of this truth in the text, God's truth, the core of it, is not a thing, is not a concept, is not an abstraction, but is a person, a real person, flesh and blood, like as we are, yet more powerful than any creature because he is very man. Yet also very God. Our Lord Jesus Christ. By the truth the proverb says. And these proverbs are all the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Who is the wisdom of God. And the core of the text then is by the truth who is Jesus Christ. The word made flesh who dwelt among us. Who is full of grace and truth. John 1.14 says. God the Son whose name is I am, 
but whose name is also Emmanuel, God, the I am with us. In Jesus Christ, all of the truth of God is brought to us, is manifest to us, is revealed to us, such that Jesus now, the Christ, is the rock, the foundation. He is the life giver, the life guider. He is all. He is the truth. Jesus, the word made flesh, revealed in his gospel. That's the precious, precious truth the text now sets before us as the treasure of supreme worth to be desired and sought after above all things. Jesus Christ. Revealed in those good tidings of great joy that God saves unworthy sinners through the blood of His only begotten Son. The good news of what God has done in Christ to accomplish the eternal redemption of His people. Not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to His mercy. The good news that all who believe on this Jesus Christ shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The good news that He He, and He alone, is the way, the truth, and the life. Truth, the rock, foundation, life. The only stable foundation upon which we can build our homes Raise our children. Concerning that truth, the text gives us an exhortation. By the truth. And you hear the earnestness in the inspired Solomon's voice. And in that earnestness is the earnestness of God our Father to us. By the truth. By it. What does that mean? Well, let's see, first of all, negatively, what it does not mean so that this figure doesn't mislead us. The text is not reducing God's truth or God's Christ to the level of a commodity, something that can be bought or sold, another thing that's out there in the marketplace today. That's a popular notion in our day. In our consumerist culture, faith is reduced to just another thing on the market. Christ is just another consumer product to be purchased at your whim, at your discretion, and to be used how you pleased, how you please, in order to get that feeling that you want. That's not the teaching of the text. Christ, God's truth, may never be reduced to a commodity over which we have control, that we may use as we please or manipulate to our own ends. Not at all. But when the text uses the figure of buying the truth, it uses that figure to underscore the preciousness, the supreme value and desirableness of God's truth and God's Christ. We want God's truth. Not just this, we must have it, that is true, but we want it. We feel that desire, do we not? In the innermost 
part of our hearts. And if we do not, may the Spirit work in our hearts and work repentance because it means there's something else there that we desire and love more and idle. And then the calling to us is to repent and to turn and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and to see Him who is the truth as that of supreme value and worth. In the second place, this proverb by saying, by the truth, is not teaching some fort or some sort of earn your own salvation theology. It's not that God's truth and God's Christ are made available, put out there on the spiritual market for sale, so to speak, and God expects us to come to Him and pay with some form of works or some form of obedience in order to acquire Christ. Not at all. This is not to be misinterpreted as a call to engage in a business transaction with God. We understand that, do we not, beloved? We understand from the whole of Scripture that God's truth and God's Christ are a gift of grace, something we could never obtain of ourselves, something we could never even seek unless, the fir- unless first the truth came to us. Before we can come to Christ, Christ must draw us to Him. Before we can seek Him, He must give us life and shine His light into our darkness. Before that, we can't even see the kingdom of God. By nature, we are dead and lost in sin. We're in the dark. You think of Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. That's us. That's who we are by nature. We are so hopelessly, you might say, lost and wayward, that there is no hope for us except The Christ, come into our darkness and lay hold of us and draw us out and bring us to himself. And that's the wonder of grace. Christ, the truth, seeks and he finds and he saves the lost. And the fruit of his sovereign work, the fruit of his gift of grace, is then that we are turned and we seek him. And so there is a real exhortation here, and we must hear that exhortation. We're going to look at it positively in a moment. By the truth, let no man think that he is excused from earnestly obeying this command. But we understand God's truth and God's Christ are a gift. Pure grace. And only because we have first been given grace can we seek For that grace. Positively now. The meaning of the text. By the truth. The basic meaning is take hold of it. Take hold of it by faith. Take hold. Of God's precious. Gracious gift. Of his truth. And make it the center of your life. I want to develop that idea in three brief points, three ways, three aspects of buying the truth and then apply that to us personally and then in particular to covenant parents and to the youth of the congregation. Buy the truth means in the first place, seek it and set your heart upon God's truth such that you esteem it. And though we use that word it, you remember what was said earlier. That ultimately when we talk about truth, we're talking about Christ, the person of Christ. Esteem Christ 
as the treasure of highest value. Nothing, nothing can compare to the worth of Christ and his truth and all spiritual blessings in him. Here then is the practical wisdom of the proverb. Remember wisdom, which is mentioned later in the text. Wisdom is the God-given spiritual ability to take truth and apply it to the everyday realities of life. Wisdom is living out this principle. Christ in his truth is that which is of supreme value and therefore I will seek him and desire him above all things. He will be the one upon whom my heart is set. Are Paul's words in Philippians 3 verse 8 your words, beloved? I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Let it be and may the Spirit work that confession in our hearts so that we say it not only with the lips but we mean it from the heart. All things are lost to me. I esteem all things to be nothing in comparison to knowing Him who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is everything. Everything to me. God reveals his Christ in the Bible. Therefore, a personal application is that we ought to esteem the knowledge of the scriptures highly. And seeking God's truth means delving into the Bible. Being a people who are not satisfied, but want more and more of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And an understanding of the sound doctrine of his word. By the truth means seek it and do not rest until you have it. And even then, keep going. More and more understanding of Christ. That's what feeds the soul and strengthens your hands for the Christian life. It ultimately comes down to this. More and more of Christ. Doctrine is important. As we saw, this proverb stands against the cultural, the spirit of our age. But it also stands against a danger in the church. And the danger is that we minimize the importance of doctrine. We must hold fast to the doctrines of Scripture and esteem them. There's a reason why an anti-doctrinal perspective prevails in the world today. Because it's the sister of the anti-truth perspective. But now, with that application to esteem the importance of doctrine, must also come cautions. The first caution is that we must be diligent to fight against doctrinal pride and put it away. We must not take the text by the truth this way. Well, I'm good. I know my doctrine. I think I belong to a good church. And so I'm all set. I can coast through this Christian life. There's nothing more for me to learn. There's nothing I can learn from other Christians. I'm all set. That's wrong. That's pride. And Jesus keeps his word when he says, the proud will be abased. 
Do we find that sin in our hearts? Do I find it in mine? The wisdom of Jesus Christ then comes to us and says, humble yourself. Esteem the importance of the doctrine of God's word such that you want it more and more. You want to grow in your knowledge of it, but let that knowledge never puff up. Let it not puff up. And that leads to the other caution, to avoid doctrinal idolatry. An understanding of the truth in a doctrinal system is important, but it's not for its own sake. Not for its own sake. The point of doctrine is to help us understand and know Christ better and in truth. But if the truth ever becomes just a concept to us, if doctrine becomes something that we hold to for its own sake, so that we cherish this system and we start to worship this system, surprisingly we have made that doctrine into an idol that ends up stealing the place of Christ himself. So we must be on our guard, even as we resist the tide of our age, which is anti-truth and anti-doctrine. Why do we seek to preserve the sound doctrine of the scriptures and of the reformed faith? For Christ's sake. Not so that we can have a system in which we rest comfortably and complacently, but so that we may hold fast to what God tells us about Christ. Doctrine doesn't save us. Christ saves us. And so we don't trust a system, but we trust Christ. Christ. That's the first element of the positive, by the truth. Buying it means seeking and setting our hearts upon the truth of God. Now, secondly, a second aspect of that. By the truth means pay. Pay the price. When you buy something, you pay the price to have it. By the truth means pay whatever cost is required of you to have and to hold the truth of God's Christ. Just as it costs us something to buy our food and drink, to buy our home, or to buy those things that are available to us when we use our discretionary income to acquire something that we desire in this life. There's a certain cost that we judge worth it in order to have and to enjoy that good that we are buying. And now take that idea and apply it to the figure here. Christ, what is he worth to you? People of God, what is Christ worth to you? Your answer to that question will determine how you live. What will you give for him? What will you surrender to be faithful to him? How much will you sacrifice to walk in his footsteps? Are you willing to take up your cross daily and follow him? Or is there a point where the price becomes too high? And you must say, no. God's truth and God's Christ are simply too expensive for me. 
I must search my heart and we must search our hearts. That's the wisdom of God coming to us, instructing us. And this points out where there may be idols in our lives. We've heard about idols recently in a past sermon. And that application is due to be made here as well. If we reach that point where we say God's truth and God's Christ are too costly, I will not deny myself this for Christ. I will not sacrifice that far for Christ. We have found our God. The thing or the one that sits upon the throne in our hearts. So this wise proverb calls us to ponder, to examine our hearts, to count the cost of discipleship. It's hard. It goes against the grain of our flesh, which wants what's easy, what's convenient, what's pleasing to me here and now. Taking up a cross daily is not pleasant. Denying self, making sacrifices for the cause of Christ, not pleasant to the flesh. Remember who Christ is. Remember what he has done. Look to his cross. See him in his glory. See the spiritual blessings he has obtained for his people. Is there anything more precious than that? What is Christ worth to us? Thirdly, buy the truth and take it not. Or buy the truth and sell it not. Buy means as you esteem God's Christ most precious and as you pay whatever price is required to have and to hold him, It means also that you take personal ownership and possession of the truth of God. Buy the truth means take it, hold it, but do more than that. Live it. Live it. Personally appropriate the truth of God's word. Don't just laid in your mind with that truth, but let the truth penetrate more deeply down into your heart so that it guides your whole life. For from the heart come the issues of life. And there we must hide God's word. There the truth of Christ must be planted in the heart. To buy the truth means to take that most precious deposit of truth given to us in the scriptures. At the heart of which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to make it mine. Personally. Buying the truth isn't like going to the antique store and finding some rare collector's item that you have a taste for and maybe paying a very high price for it, but then taking it home and putting it on your shelf so that when you want to, you can admire it, you can look at it, you can maybe dust it off to keep it looking sharp, but you do nothing with it. That's not what by the truth means. By the truth means take that truth and use that truth. It's like your work boots that you put on every day, which get dirty in the realities of everyday life. It's like the bread that you must eat every day, the water that you drink every day. That's the idea. This is your daily necessity. Buy the truth. Take it. Use it. Live it. Live it. Such that, As God's people in the midst of the world, we become living epistles in whose lives others can read God's truth as they see how we 
comport ourselves in the world. The truth is not a concept, merely. The truth is a person. And in salvation, we are united to this person, Jesus Christ. And by his spirit, there flows to us all of the blessings that are in Christ. And that flow of grace changes us. If our confession of the truth is not matched with a changed life, there's a serious problem. There's a spiritual sickness there, and that must be addressed. By the truth means take possession of it, hide it in your heart, and live it out. Let's make a few brief applications then tailored to the occasion of baptism. This is God's wisdom for covenant children and for parents as they raise their covenant children. By the truth. This is the most important thing in our families and in our homes. God's truth and God's Christ. This must be what is put on the pedestal in our home. That which is most important. That which is treasured above all. And it must be such that parents, our children see that. That we teach them that not only in our words, but we model it in the way we live. So that we train them to cherish and to prize God's truth and God's Christ above all things. So that nothing in this world can even compare thousands of silver and gold, all of the pleasures of sin, nothing to be compared to the excellency of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Parenthood is a hard calling. So many responsibilities, so many things that weigh upon the shoulders of Christian parents. And it's easy to lose focus. Let this text, this wisdom of God, refocus us Christian parents. This is what, above all things, parenthood is about. Leading our children to Jesus. And teaching them. Jesus is your treasure. He is above all things precious. Nothing can be compared to him. And life, your life, is all about honoring and serving him. My son, my daughter, look what his word says. Look at what he has done for you. Look at his cross. He came to save his people from their sins. To take away the hell that we deserve. To give us a right and a place to eternal life. This is God's Christ, my son, my daughter. lead our children to Christ. That's parenthood. But now we must hasten on. With the earnest exhortation, by the truth comes an urgent warning, sell it not. Sell it not. And we need this warning as well because this is a persistent and a powerful temptation that we face in the midst of this world. And it's a constant struggle that we experience in our own, li- our own lives, in our own hearts. The temptation to sell God's truth for something that appears at this time or that time more attractive to me. By the truth. And negatively, sell it not. And the basic meaning of that second part of the proverb is keep the truth. Hold on to it. 
You esteem it as most precious. Now don't ever let it go. Hold fast by faith to God's Christ. There are so many exhortations in the scripture that drive home this point to us. Earlier in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 4 verse 13, take fast hold on instruction, Solomon says to his son. Let her not go, keep her, for she is thy life. And that instruction is instruction in the truth, the center of which is the gospel of Christ. Take fast hold. It is your life. Sell it not. That means don't trade it. Don't exchange it for any lesser treasure. Don't exchange God's truth or God's Christ for something that looks better to the flesh. We feel that temptation, don't we? We do. So many things in this world vie for the love and the affection of our hearts. So many things want to be our treasure. So many things want to be on that pedestal. So many things want to occupy the throne of our hearts. And Satan takes advantage of that. The tempter, who is wily, he knows our weaknesses. And he tailors his temptations to those weaknesses. He comes to us and he says, look, this is better. Trade. Sell the truth. It's worth it. To get this. To be able to do that. In order to live your life your way. Isn't that how he first instigated the fall? When he led our first parents into temptation. He made that fruit look so good. And he baited that temptation with the lie That it was profitable to make one wise. If you eat of that fruit, you will be like God, able to determine for yourself good and evil. Able to craft the truth after the desires of your heart, rather than conforming yourself to the truth of God. When our first parents saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye and desirable to make one wise, Eve and Adam with her sold the truth And exchanged it for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And as we've talked about before, that same tactic of the devil is replayed in the temptations he deploys against us. And so the wisdom of Jesus Christ in this text calls us to spiritual vigilance to understand the ways of our wily foe. To identify his lies for what they are. Not to sell the truth. As Judas did for 30 pieces of silver. As Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. Because in that moment, that's what his belly craved. To hold it fast. To never let it go. Even when it's hard on the flesh. Even when those commitments to Christ strain us require so much of us, even when the pleasures of sin, even if just for a season, seem so alluring to us, even when convenience and entertainment, oh, we want to give that first place, at least today in my life, 
Even when the flesh groans under the cost of discipleship. Buy the truth and sell it not. Look to the cross of Christ. See your Savior there. See what He has done for you. See the treasures of the blessings of salvation stored up in Him. Is there anything more precious than God's Christ? What is Christ worth to us? Buy the truth. Sell it not. A couple of applications, first to parents. We not only teach our children to buy the truth, but we teach them to sell it not. Teach them a proper biblical hierarchy of values, what their true treasure is. Teach them this by word and deed, in the way that you lead your families. What you buy and sell from a spiritual perspective. When our children look at us parents, and they look at our lives, and they look at our families, what's the message we're sending them? Maybe without words. What's on the family pedestal? What's on the family altar? What's number one? What's our pearl of great price? Let it be Christ. Christ alone. And a word for the youth. Believing young people, you live in a world that wants to devour you. And it wants to devour you by luring you into its wicked lifestyles. It dangles so many attractive idols before you and it says, buy this. It's worth it. Sell that truth that you've been taught. Sell that truth you learned in the church. Sell that truth your parents gave you. It's so restrictive. This is better. Buy this at the price of Christ and his truth. If you do, you'll be happy. That's what the world says. But dear young people, see Satan's face in that. Hear the lion's roar in that. It's a lie. The delicacies of sin will never satisfy the eternity-sized hole in your heart which can only be filled by God's truth and God's Christ. Believing youth, you have a treasure to which nothing this world offers can ever begin to be compared. Of Christ. His righteousness, his salvation, happiness, true happiness is found only in belonging to him and living for him. And so when the lion roars and when the tempter comes and he dangles that temptation before you, something that seems so attractive in the prices, forsake the truth, turn your back on Christ. Resist, not of your own power, but resist by turning and looking again at the cross of Christ. Look at that cross. Look at the Christ upon that cross. Look at what he did for you. You will never find a savior like that in the world. You will never find a savior like that anywhere else. Lots of things, lots of people in this world will say, I'll be your savior, I'll give you happiness, but all they want to do 
is use you, chew on you, and spit you out. Look at Christ, who for his great love died on that cross for you. Nobody loves you like Christ does. Nobody can do for you what Christ has done. Buy the truth. Sell it not. We conclude with comfort. The wonderful reality that we are comforted by the very truth that the text exhorts us to buy and sell not. We're comforted because, again, we are reminded the truth is not a thing but a person, the person of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. We love God because He first loved us. That's the model for all of salvation, and now we apply that to this text. We buy the truth because the truth first bought us. And there's the power to heed the command. Perhaps you're saying, How can I do this? I know my own weakness. I know my own sin. I am insufficient for these things. Of course you are. Of course I am. But it's not of our own strength that we heed the commands, the wisdom, the counsels of this proverb. But it's by the power of the Christ, the truth, who first bought us, that we may now live a life of buying his truth. We were sold under sin. Lost and doomed to perish, deservedly unworthy of rescue, but God in his great love for his people sent his only begotten son to be the propitiation for our sins. And in amazing love and deepest humility, Christ gave himself to the death of the cross, paying for our sins and earning for us everlasting life and righteousness. He saved us sinners who were sold under sin by selling himself into the hands of sinful men and suffering himself to be crucified and slain, whereby he has bought for us all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, chief among which is the Spirit of Christ, which he pours out upon us, the Spirit who guides us, who sanctifies us, who renews us day by day, the Spirit who empowers us to hear the voice of the truth in this proverb and to obey it. On the cross, the truth bought us so that we, by the power of that cross, may buy the truth and sell it not. So covenant parents, youth, Christians, one and all, that's your comfort. That's your comfort. The truth has bought you. Now in thankfulness, buy the truth and sell it not. It's comfort for you, Josh and Jolyn, as you raise Elena to know her Lord. Teach her how the truth bought her. And that's the reason for her to buy the truth. Make Christ number one. Draw your strength from him as parents. And in love and thankfulness to God, render your daughter back to him as your grateful return of ardent love to the God of your salvation. Amen. Our faithful God and heavenly Father, we thank thee for this wisdom of the Proverbs. Apply it to our hearts that we might buy the truth 
and sell it not. Grant us the power to do so, the power which comes only through Jesus Christ, the truth who bought us. May we live in thankfulness for that wonder work of salvation, every day rendering unto thee our grateful returns of ardent love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.